So it's a source of joy to imagine we're sharing this uh, time together. Physically, obviously, we're separate, but that's always the way it is. We're just to be tuning in to the same channel of intention. Whatever feelings are happening in terms of input from one's thoughts or body or energy levels, it's the sense of the intention, keeping the intention bright, open, not desperate, uh, not got to get things done, not having to achieve anything, not having to concern yourself with uh, comparing yourself with others, feeling included. It's not, this is just for one kind of person, it's for any kind of person who wants to listen. Any person who wants to listen, it's your choice. If you listen, you're part of it. Whether you understand it all or not, is second. It's uh, dumber, it's not, it's not easy. In some ways it's very direct, but it also goes very deep to places in our in our awareness we haven't we haven't realized yet so some of it's a little beyond our grasp or even the words beyond our grasp you know language is not street language so just allow yourself to receive what you can this is the most important thing uh, i would like you to feel present not strained not left out um, trying to make it all work and trust your own presence because that's all we have to achieve is full presence what do I mean full presence I mean that it's not as if you're missing something it's not as if in the future you'll be you'll be fine no that's not that's not what we're looking for. In the future, you'll be fine. No, that's, that may be the case, but that's not something when you set up that intention and attitude, you're immediately losing presence because part of you is leaning somewhere else. It's not that you have to feel a certain way to be present. It's you're able to be present with whatever's being felt without running away, without fading out, without trying to build a wall against it or get more of it. You know, be present with things as they change. Arise, pass, agreeable with disagreeable. That which we love arises, that which we love passes. In some respect. Phenomena pass. So we're shifting our love, our appreciation to presence. What is this? Well, wherever you are, you're always present. That, you know, it doesn't pass. Wherever you are, you're always present. 
You may not want to be present, but you are. You may not want to be present with a pain in your back, but you are present with it. You may not want to be present with a sense of worry and concern, but you are present with it. Otherwise, you wouldn't be feeling it, would you? You may not want to be present with um, state of affairs in the world, but you are present. That's why you're worried and upset. Obviously, we don't want to be present with what's difficult, painful and seemingly exasperating and, and incurable and aspects of our own body or mind we, we find distasteful or not as good as it should be. But you are present with it. Otherwise, it wouldn't bother you. Right? What is present? Chitra is present. Awareness is present. Okay, put it that way. Awareness is present. Yeah. So what is there to develop? Well, you need to, we're encouraging to just more incline towards that quality of presence. Stabilize it. Enjoy it. Really enjoy it. Linger in it. Don't feel you have to rush out to do something in order to find it. You, you, you come back to it. You're always present. The lake of the chitta always reflects. Even if it's being whipped up by wind and rain and fish jumping up and down in it, it still reflects. What are we trying to do then in our practice is just stop throwing rocks into the water so it will calm down and the encouragement is that it's possible to do this because the rocks that land in the water the things that disturb your lake though we don't really understand it how it happens the only thing that touches the chitta it's not sights or sounds, yeah, but mind-created objects, dhammas. The only thing that touches the chitta is not sight, sound, people, the future, the past. It's just the felt impressions of these perceptions, perceptions, touch the chitta, feeling touches the jitta. And of these two, feeling can be based upon bodily feeling, obviously. More powerful, more dominant mental feeling. Mental feeling, because it happens, it's going on all the time. And human beings, this is such a powerful source because mental feeling comes along with perception, that which is an impression. Yeah. That's that could be that looks dangerous to me. I'm fearful. That looks enjoyable to me. I'm eager. Mm -hmm. right. So, where does that impression 
comes from the mind, doesn't it? And we don't know really because it could be. But this is the problem, the chitta gets these impressions. And we have to say, well, if it is fearful, if it is dangerous, the best thing to do is to be completely present because then you will be able to deal with it. You can't deal with it if you're only half there. If it means you've got to run, you better be completely present when you run and not be thinking about something else. And you generally are. <laughs> you, know, uh, you may fear a bear or a wolf or a dog when it's not happening. But when it happens, you don't fear, you just run. <laughs> the fear comes later. Because, you, you know, your body does this for you. If you're in danger, your system, body actually becomes extremely powerful. Then when you calm down, then you feel the, oh my goodness, that was dreadful. Then you get the fear and the agitation. So we're frightened of something that hasn't happened yet. It's a trigger. And when that trigger happens, be fully present. When something desirable occurs, if you want something, you better be fully there in order to achieve it, hadn't you? But if you're craving it, then you're already leaning over into the end result, what will happen when I get it. This is particularly significant when we do something. I do something in order to get a good result. If I'm doing something in order to get a good result, I'm not completely present with what I'm doing because I'm wanting to get to the end of it. And it's kind of hasty. If you're doing any kind of craft or art, something like that, then you've got to be really present with it and let it happen. If you're anxious to get a good result, if you're comparing yourself with a master, then you, you make a mess of it. And it's the same with yourself. If you're trying to be something and you think you can be as good as so-and-so or you wish you looked like her or you wish you could be like them, then you're not present where you are and you're unbalanced. So you've got to put, even, you know, you want to bring up your best. You want to bring up your best. But your best is presence. And, and removing the fear, the agitation, the craving, the comparing, and the imagined hostility of other people. If I do this, they won't like me. If I don't get this right, I'll be blamed. If I don't produce 110%, I'll get sacked. Uh, unfortunately, this, you know, in work, this could be the case. So this sense of straining and losing presence is not because you're particularly neurotic or crazy. It's it's almost <laughs> it's almost a requirement. <laughs> 
to be more than you actually are in your presence. So people lose presence, give themselves away into some kind of identity that's good enough. Right? Or some sign of standard that they feel it will mean that people will not blame them, look down upon them, ignore them, not give them warmth, not give them encouragement, exclude them. This is a source then of powerful mental agitation, feeling and reflex activity. It's a reflex to do more, to do more, to be more, to make sure that you are as good. So this kind of activity occurs, a kind of restless activity occurs. So this is the source of intent feeling, although we may not even really feel the feeling because we're so involved with the actions of trying to get away from this rather uncomfortable feeling of inadequacy that we don't really notice it just because we're busy doing stuff, uh, you know, fixing things, having conversation to make sure people like me, I'm friendly and sociable. You know, so I keep chattering away. What do you need? Because if I don't chatter, it's not a rational thing. We have to keep doing something in order to win people's attention, affection, warmth, approval, or at least make them not disapprove. If I sit there silently, they might think I don't like them, or they might think I'm being hostile, or they might think I'm weird, I'm not sociable, I'm not friendly enough. Therefore, I'll just keep chatting. It's not a conscious decision, it's a reflex that occurs. Just be present. That's, I feel comfortable with that. So you know, why we don't feel this feeling is because of the amount of stuff that's going on to prevent us feeling this inadequacy, incompletion, not good enough. Because it's extremely, not just painful, but a sense of real loss of presence. So presence of the loss of presence are huge concerns. The loss of presence is unbearable. So instead we become something to fill ourselves up because the loss of presence, your, your chitta can't, can't bear it. People go crazy. Uh, people have breakdown, disoriented. So we do something to fill up that absence, insecurity, anxiety, overperformance, overachievement, trying to do a lot so other people will accept me. 
I feel okay. I feel I'm included. Exclusion, separation from the quality of love uh, is suffering, said the Buddha. Separation from the loved and being loved is dukkha. So clearly one of the um, fundamental um, encouragements is to cultivate love. Love as, as presence rather than I'm a lovable person, you know. And because, of course, this very word love itself is now so, so um, overlaid that we can barely use it because it's, it's become a commercialized commodity. It's become romance, which is fantasy. It's become sexuality, which is an instinctive, uh, compulsive energy that consumes the heart, lights you up, but actually, yeah. it's become confused with um, attachment, clinging to things. I love bananas. I love, you know, I, I, I can't get by without it. Feel what can't get by you loss of presence. Your presence is associated with getting the food you like, being with the people, being in a situation. Then I feel okay. And increasingly, we're trying to encourage ourselves because all these things will pass. And the appetite to feel presence does not pass. Now, when there's tanha craving. The reflex is to get things in order to fill up, to become more complete. And these things are not necessarily physical things. These can be status. Get some status so I'll feel fully complete. Um, achieve some goal and I'll feel fully complete. So this is craving. You put something in. Yeah. But there's another quality called chanda desire, which can, of course, be doing the same thing, but it's possible to turn one's desire. With craving, it's a pathological, compulsive instinct you know, that's, that just launches out. When there's a, a sense of loss of presence or inadequacy, then the craving reaches out for something to eat or something to switch on or something to do. Something to become. And in that, there's a sense of, um, there's a self-image that comes up with that. I am hungry, I need to be, then I'm okay. I've got my thing. Now, this will always be occurring in one way or another. As long as there's an absence of fully settling into presence. Presence is always there, but we don't acknowledge it. We tend to focus on what we're present with. The worry, the physical feeling, the sights or the sounds, we're present with those. Rather than, so 
It's not to deny there are sights and sounds and thoughts and so forth, but just what's the capacity to be present with them of a certain stability. It's one feature of it. A uh, freedom from regret, a freedom from mental agitation around that. Yeah. And so this is our motivation is to incline the mind towards that, incline the heart towards itself. Now, language here, I'm sorry, but language is what language is. You could even say, you know, this is to find your true self. It's not really a Buddhist way of expressing things, but if it makes sense to you, you can use it. I talk about presence or chitta, heart awareness. I'm more comfortable with that, but whatever works. Uh, yeah. And so here, you know, one of the features of what the body provides is stability. You know, the full stability. It's not a particular part of your body. It's the whole thing in its capacity to, what do I say, be present. It means you can feel a sense of something really there that's not somewhere else. It's not about to be something. It's not something that was. It's just in the present. So this is what bodies the present, you know, the felt experience of the body is like this. But of course, you know, this has its difficulties because, um, well, for a start, it can, you know, there can be discomfort, uh, even though you, know, you can sit, walk, stand, move with that. Um, but also, the mental currents can be so strong to achieve something, get something, even make the body something that it isn't, more comfortable, make it more uh, healthy, more energetic, or so forth, that there's something wrong with me. My body is a mess. Do you get this? Now, also, we, we practice a lot with the qualities of love, or the proper qualities of love. And love essentially is about enjoying presence. It's not a reward for good behavior. It's not because you look nice that you're loved. It's not because you do great things. It's not about that. It's not about holding on to something or someone else. It's about enjoying presence. And enjoying the presence of others. When I say enjoy, I don't mean you're feverishly craving it. It's just, I am present. He's present. Relax. We're not trying to make something happen. We're not creating an image of each other. We're not worried that she might not like me if I don't do something. We're not concerned that he might feel I'm boring unless I start chattering away. Or that I've got to do something to make him like me because I'm not good enough. I shouldn't take up his time because I'm not really, you know, I'm a bit of a nuisance. I don't want to be a burden on somebody else and waste their time. <laughs> you know, this, this is, what's this? Where does this come from? This is the mind of your will. Yeah. And when you feel it, you don't feel present. You feel I feel I've got to do something in order to be allowed to be present because what I am is not very good. 
and the mind is so quick. So the Buddha says you can't even describe how quick it is. Just one small trigger and you can feel inadequate or you feel you've got to do something. So even like a pause of silence when people are together can create a ripple of anxiety. He's silent because I'd said something wrong. He's silent because he wants to be somewhere else. He's silent because he's breaking connection with me. He's being quiet in order to, to make me quiet. He's being quiet because his mind is going somewhere else. That could be the case, I suppose. But you've got to bear in mind that the first conclusion you jump to is always the worst. If you jump to a conclusion, if you get an immediate interpretation, how do you know? If I'm going quiet, how do you really know that I'm basically disconnecting from you? Could it just be that I've just got nothing to say right now, but it's very pleasant to be here. And that's okay with me and feel comfortable. And I haven't got much to talk about, but you know, we don't need to do that. That's okay. Could it be that? How do you know? You don't know, but you we react, we jump. I'm not blaming anybody because I, I certainly can I'm kind of familiar with these experiences. If you jump, if you jump to an interpretation of another person, you can always be absolutely certain that it's wrong. And it's probably the worst interpretation. Because if you jump, where does jump come from? Where does jump come from? Fear. That makes us jump. Craving makes us jump. Wisdom doesn't make you jump. Wisdom is just, mm -hmm. check it out. How is this? How is that? Wisdom is, oh, Bhante, you fine being here? Oh, yes, that's fine. I notice you're not saying anything. Yeah, right now I don't have much to say, but I'm happy to listen. Okay, fine. I really am. Or I might say, yeah, actually I did at that moment. My mind drifted off. Sorry about that. A lot of things happened this morning. And just in that moment, that lull in the conversation, my mind drifted somewhere else because I had a lot of preoccupations. Yeah, I can understand that. That's not, you know, you hate me. Just, <laughs> well, you don't want to be here. Just that's what happens, doesn't it? Sometimes your mind just does drift off. It doesn't mean I don't like you or don't want to be here. It's just that that's had a lot of things going on. So negotiate in contact. Let me know. Because sometimes it's the case that Actually, yeah, I'm, I, I quite, you know, I'm happy to be with you, but unfortunately, you know, I've got this appointment that I've got to go to. So see you later. Great to see you later. That's fine. But you know, so if if you've got to say it, you know, like sitting embarrassed. Oh my goodness, you know, if I, 
if I, you know, she won't like me, she'll think I hate her, because I just, it's, it's, yeah, I, you know, I've got some, some, unfortunately, I've got other things to do, or well, right now I feel quite, uh, you know, tired, that happens, we all understand that, right now I just don't have the energy for it, that's not a permanent state, it's just what's happening here, or well, right now, you know, I, Gotta go to the toilet or bathroom or something. <laughs> you know, but so how do we interpret other people's silences or, 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 or gestures? They're probably responding to what's happening for themselves, aren't they? Isn't that the case? If they're feeling uncomfortable with someone or they're probably responding to that because that's what you're responding to you're responding to your impressions and perceptions of me because you don't know what's going on inside me so you're responding to your impressions of me and I'm they're your impressions and you're responding to them and I'm responding to impressions that are happening here like I've got discomfort in my leg. That's why my, my face is slightly strained because I've got backache. It doesn't mean it's not because I'm, it's not expressed towards you. I've got a slightly strained expression on my face because I've got backache or I've got a sore throat or I, you know. So we see how we can take everything. Is it about me or, you know, or is it about what's happening in the chitta? And say, well, the best thing is to not jump to conclusions and to really begin to understand the conclusions you do jump to. Where are they going to? They're going to a state uh, of self. That means you probably jump that way many times because something that's habitual and quick and jump to is done many times. So you probably jump to the fear person, you jump into being the inadequate person, you jump into being the person who should do more than they are doing, who should be other than they are. We jump into the person who's got to do a lot of stuff in order to be good enough. We jump into being the person that somebody else puts up with, with even though they don't really want to be with them. But they basically bear with you being polite. We jump into that. We become that. That's called ill will. So... We talk about love, really, it's in Buddhist terms, the safest, it's not so inspiring a term, the safest one is the abandoning of ill will. And what's left, we call that love. Abandon ill will. And particularly the stuff we don't even notice is ill will. So there's obviously, there is ill will that we do notice when you sense of aversion towards others, wanting to push them away, wanting to get rid of them, feeling angry and upset by them. 
other people's actions. Why does somebody else's speech or behavior, why does that bother you? Can you do something about it? Can you make them change? Not right now, you can't. So if we come into where we are right now, you know, somebody's saying something, they're talking a lot, you're tired of listening to them talk, they're going on and on and on, they're not being receptive at all. You get that experience. Somebody was talking to you, but actually they're not talking to you. They're just broadcasting their own message into, into thin air. <laughs> and they're not in a place where they're able to receive you. So you can think, feel annoyed, you know, he's blathering on and not concerned with me. So you feel annoyed with that. But now you can maintain presence. Because once you let ill will into your heart, something in you hardens, contracts to defend yourself. Remember, when there's something unpleasant happening, we have certain reflex possibilities. One is to fight back. So we get angry. One is to defend ourselves, we get hard. Yeah. One is to escape, we get jittery and start looking around somewhere else. One is to just faint, and you just space out and go absent. It's going on, nothing I could do about it, just space out, lose presence altogether. So noticing any of this when there's a feeling of discomfort, particularly on the purely psychological domain, and this especially is always going to be in terms of other people. She's not doing what I want her to do, therefore I feel irritated. But how can she do what you want? Because you're the one who's doing the wanting, And you don't have a you don't have a kind of button. She's not a robot. Now it may be that with encouragement, with proper encouragement and explanation, you could inspire her to to go in that direction. Say, if you do this, I've done this myself. And I find that when I do this, I feel these results. Would you like to try that? So that you'll get some agreeable understanding or, or growth. Oh, really? Yeah. No pressure. Just that's what I found and I'd like to try it. Oh, okay. I can trust this person because they're not pushing me. I can trust this person because they're not trying to sell it to me. I can trust this person because they don't want to have anything given back. So I trust them because they allow me to be present. And that's what I want. I feel most comfortable. And then they're saying, well, have, why don't you try this? Okay, I'll give it a go. Work with it. And then they do it in their way. This is how I like to teach Dhamma, really. That's the whole point of teaching Dhamma. 
you don't go around telling everybody else what they've got to be or do. You say somebody asks you, you say, well, well, I've done this or I've known people who've done that or this feels like the best thing. Why don't you have a try? But if you don't want to, that's fine. It's your life. OK, that sounds reasonable. It's not like this is the meditation system that's going to work for you. I guarantee it. No, don't don't trust that that because <laughs> he's trying to sell me something. This is the only meditation system. I've got the real system that's going to work for you and you really need to get to do it. No, thanks. Yeah, uh, I don't want the pressure. If somebody says I'm sharing it, it's because, you know, I'm. I, 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 if other people are happy, it makes me happy. It, it encourages me. So we can share. Because when you're present and I'm present, then then those presences share. There's no there's no wall of aversion or agitation or comparison going on. Our presence is shared, and that's one of the most beautiful things. Where there's a freedom from agitation and comparison and trying to make something happen, the pressure's off. No pressure. The heart expands. That's what happens. You know, that's what happens. It's not a personal thing. It's just what happens. If you take the pressure off the heart, it naturally opens. And that's what we call, you could call it love, freedom from ill will. Who puts the pressure on? Actually, it's only one person. Or not even a person. It's not a person that puts the pressure on. It's a perception and fear, insecurity, and hostility puts the pressure on. Removing it. You safe. Not blame or criticize may remind and may warn out of compassion, but I'm not going to blame, criticize, push to others as to oneself. That attitude towards others and to oneself. This we call freedom from ill will. So once again, Look at some of the, um, you don't necessarily feel the feeling because the psychology rushes in so quickly that you don't notice the feeling is buried. When you check the psychology, when you stop psychology, then you get the, feel, you get the feeling. So, you know, what you didn't achieve anything today. You didn't really get the good meditation that you should have got. You know, you've been three days on retreat and you should have quieted down by now. You should have got some calm and you should have had those things that Ajahn Sujito was talking about. But you didn't get it, did you? You're not good enough. You haven't tried hard enough. So try harder. When you get that one going, how does that feel? Pressure. Does that bring forth the best in you? 
Nope, it brings forth the desperate in me. <laughs> it brings forth the sense of I've got to be other than I am in me. It brings forth thoughts desperate, insecure. I feel strained. Because I'm strained, I'm not able to bring the fullness of my chitta to bear upon what I'm doing because it's not expanded. I'm not fully here. So achievement. And if you don't achieve, you notice the feeling. And it's horrible. But what if there's nothing to achieve? Or if there's nothing to achieve, I won't do anything. I'll just be a useless, hopeless mess. If you don't start out achieving something in your life, you're just going to be a ruined slob. Nobody will like you. You know, you'll just be a weak, pathetic, feeble. Really? <laughs> you're sure about that? What would it be like to not have to achieve things? Just imagine. But maintaining presence. Oh, I could enjoy. I could enjoy the sunrise. I could enjoy the sound of the birds. I could enjoy the fragrance of the flowers. I could enjoy breathing in, breathing out. I could even enjoy that. I could just enjoy of being aware of that open, bright quality. We didn't have to make it into something. Becoming. Make it into something that it should be. Press it into a shape that it should be. Press myself into a shape that I should be. Pressure, pressure, pressure. No pressure, you won't achieve anything. No pressure, you won't achieve anything. Where's motivation, Dhamma? What about making an effort with so forth? Make an effort. It always says make an effort with friendliness. It means because your mind is bright, your presence is, you're coming into presence, you're eager to more fully unfold into presence to relinquish what has not been relinquished, to deepen into what has not been deepened into. And what are you relinquishing? Ignorance. Compulsive habits. Fear. Craving. Self-image. Relinquish. Compulsive activity. Stagnation, feeling inadequate, relinquish. How do you do that? Well, you relinquish and you fulfill. Fulfill presence using metta as a vehicle. Loving kindness. May this being be well. May this presence be well. Achievement, be careful of that achievement psychology and the sense of underachievement. Most uh, people who feel they're underachieving are actually frustrated overachievers. There are people who incline towards trying to overachieving and because they didn't overachieve enough, they feel they're underachieving. <laughs> you get the workaholic type. So a simple example I can remember. 
monastery you have a, like a day off the idea is you have a rest day or you know where you just don't have to go out and do the work it's just a break day and uh, this woman is saying well you know what can i do i need to do something so well okay yeah but says yeah if you um really very nice you know you want to maybe just clean clean the shrine room only one room <laughs> only one <laughs> what do i do next <laughs> <laughs> what do I do next? <laughs> I hadn't even started it yet, already thinking, what's the next thing to do? Because the system cannot bear stopping. Because finding the agreeable is an activity. Now, I'm not saying activity is bad was disagreeable but activity can be beautiful and also inactivity can be beautiful because actually inactivity is not inactive really if you sit still there's a lot of activity and the sense of when the mind becomes more still it's not so much active but it's, it's vitalized it's a subtle activity called suffusion the qualities of the jitta suffuse. It's like a radiance. The energy of doing has transformed into the energy of being, and it's very agreeable. So this particular quality of jitta, the suffusive, pervading quality, is associated with metta, karuna, mudita, upeka, the, the qualities of love, and also with the experience of piti which is the bodily aspect of it that's a refreshment. It's not you're doing something, it's just the system is vitalizing and spreading energy through itself. It's spreading energy. Energy spreading rather than rushing forward. And metta is associated very much with heart energy. So it's not about saying nice things. It's not about you know, writing, sending people Christmas cards, although that could be it. It's about essentially spreading, letting the heart suffuse with goodwill. And then whatever you do from there is what you want to do. It could be you say something, it could be you want to send a Christmas card, that's fine. But uh, Remember, in this particular practice, we're dealing with near and far, alive and dead. So we share that with people who have passed away. So the sense of grief and separation and anguish is gone. There's a feeling of blessing. And then that separation is gone. We share presence with... My friends right and people are dying all the time my friends are dying in this age and many more will and then i will in some way this physical form will give up but presence chitta now the teaching is chitta doesn't do that it doesn't die you know, it goes to another realm. We could put it that way. I don't want to bother you with the language, but, you know, presence, chitta remains present. But if it's 
chitter driven by fear, its presence goes to the realm of fear. Because that's where you've directed it. If the presence, your presence has been imbued with love, it goes to the realm of love. Because that's where you told it to go. So, you know, then you're present with that. To work that out till so you're not driven. When the jitter not driven doesn't go anywhere. You say, where's that? The Buddha said you can't you can't find a word for that. You can't you can't name it. But this is called the going out, Nibbana. And he said this is the highest ease achievement. Comparison. Start to compare. Almost certainly there's going to be an element of ill will. If it's compulsive. Like you're going to say, okay, John is one meter twelve high and Susan's one meter ten high. Yeah, that's that's just the comparison of a body. Yeah. But if you're saying, you know, this one's better and this one's worse and this particularly the compulsive comparison, not not negotiated measuring comparison, like Oh, it's true that your handwriting is much, I find that much easier to read than her handwriting. Okay. But it's not that it's terrible. It's not, you know, and then I've got to write perfectly. It's just, okay, how did you do that? And then I could learn something. So, yes, we can pick up things we admire in others and ask them, how, how did you do that? I could learn that. Not because it make me a better person, but in order to make what I'm doing easier for you. Help me to do that. And then as soon as that comes around, we get a sense of kinship. I'd love to help you to do that. I enjoy that. Try this, try that. And then you see you're not, I'm better than you are, but there are certain skills that could be learned that I'd love to share with you. I'd love to do that because that brings us together. Rather than saying, well, you're, you're a pathetic, you can't write legibly, you can't do this, you're the other, you know. That's not it. It's saying, you know, it's, I can be with that. That's the way you, but you, you want to do it. That's, that's the way you want to do it. But the results are like this. I find it difficult to keep up with you if you're talking that fast. I'm not criticizing, I'm just saying, I find it difficult to understand what you're saying if you talk that fast. That's all. Now, I'll just let you know that and then maybe, oh, really? Well, then I'll talk slowly. Yeah. It's about behavior, not about person. So there can be improvements in behavior without comparing one person to another. We feel jealous. You know, he gets all the attention. I don't get any attention. She gets the praise. I don't get any praise. Hmm. Yeah, well, do you want to lose your own presence through that? Because what are you losing? You think somebody's praise is going to make you bigger? It's just if that's what they appreciate, that's what they appreciate. If you want to do some praising, you appreciate that. That's fine, but that's not what I need in order to be present. You know, if I'm doing something blameworthy, then let me know. 
but it doesn't mean everything I do has, has to be wonderful. Some of it's not wonderful, it's just okay. <laughs> you know, so wonderful the way you cleaned your teeth. No, it's just, it's okay, that's all. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that good. And you have to admire it before, you know, when somebody else gets praise, I have to get it. I, what do I need it for? So jealousy, defense, defending yourself against others. So you come in, you've got your excuses, you've got your strategies to make sure they will accept you. You've got your plan how to be as agreeable as possible. So you're already defending yourself against the hostility you think will come if you don't come up with something good enough. <laughs> you know, they just defense. You need to defend yourself. What are you defending? Sensitivity. Okay, sensitivity. That's fine. Sensitivity. You're sensitive. You don't want blame. Understandable. How do you give that sense of reassurance? Cultivate loving kindness towards yourself constantly. You remember particularly in this in this crazy social world well okay it's a judgment but it's pretty turbulent and and all kinds of different things going on you know if, if you go out on that you need to put your meta on it's like if you go out in the hot sunshine you need to put a sun hat on you need to put some sunblock on otherwise you're going to get roasted you're going to get burnt if you go out into the social world without your meta on you're going to get you're going to get burnt. So the meta is just may I be well. I'm avoiding your will. I mean no harm. I'm open. I'm not defending myself. I'm open to possibilities. I'm happy to cooperate you know, with what's good. And I value my presence and integrity above all because that's all I can offer. All I can offer, actually, is presence. I'm sorry, I can't do computer science, but I can offer presence. That's all I can do. Now, I could, maybe I can do computer science. That's wonderful. But what I most value in people is not their ability to do programming or mechanics. I mean, that's interesting. But... Freedom from ill will, fear, agitation, nervousness. I want people to feel comfortable and relaxed because then I don't have to deal with this agitation. And then that's what a most beautiful thing. Human beings share presence with each other. Then we feel the heart unrestricted, unagitated. This is the gift that we need to share with each other. The true gift. And the funny thing is that it's the most obvious natural gift in the world because you're always present. It's the most natural thing in the world. And we look for something artificial because we haven't valued it ourselves. We've left ourselves, our heart behind in the struggle to be an identity. We've given our presence away in order to be an image that we think will be good enough for somebody else. 
we've thrown our presence away in order to be something in the future. Stop doing that. Make an effort with friendliness to return with the quality of may I be well. May I learn to be compassionate towards these difficult feelings. May I learn to accept them with compassion, just like a, a nurse would. May I rejoice, feed, gladden the heart in what's bright. If it's somebody else doing good, may I enjoy that. The presence of goodness in the world is to be enjoyed, not to be compared. May I maintain equanimity with the ups and downs of experiencing, well, this was as good as it could be at the time, and things will change. If we keep retaining warm-heartedness in terms of presence, then the most important thing will develop in the most important way. We will not go to a world of cruelty, desperation, fear, jealousy, and scorn. This is the most peaceful abiding. So I offer this for your reflection today, and I hope it would be nice if some of it was useful. But meanwhile, continue your practice.